0: Hello, everyone, and welcome. We've been joined here today by a former AFLW umpire, Libby Tuvey. Thank you, Libby, for coming on.
1: Thanks for having me, Cooper.
0: No worries. Um, so obviously you were a former AFLW umpire. How did that come about into that role of becoming an AFLW and what kind of aspirations did you have to become an umpire in the first place?
1: Yeah, so I started um, umpiring footy uh, when I was on year 9 or year 10, um, yep. which was 2000 and five or six, and I'd always wanted to play football. Um, but back in that time, um, there weren't many opportunities for women my age or girls my age to play footy. Um, so I thought, well, I'll still get involved in the game um, and I'll try umpiring. And so I literally just called up my local league, which was the Southern Metro Junior Football League, um, called them up, and then basically two weeks later, I was umpiring an under-10s game. Um okay of little like kids running around doing just chasing the ball um and it was a lot of fun and then um just year after year I got better and better and um in 2000 and uh, I think it was 15 or 16 I made it to the VFL um which was amazing I tried mm-hmm. the year before but didn't make it then came back fitter um and made it the following year and then few years into that I was very lucky to be able to umpire the first season of AFLW um, which was a phenomenal Mm. experience so all up I probably umpired about 12 years um and then once I'd finished umpiring I became a mentor for up-and-coming female umpires which I was doing um up until this year
0: so speaking of this year what happened and how did this sudden departure come about
1: Yeah. So I was um, lucky enough to get a job at the AFL this year. Um, I actually wrote my own job description um, because my former boss, um, Adam Davis, I called him up at the middle middle of last year and said, I'm taking the time off. You know, I'm a teacher by trade, but I'm taking a year off to try something different. Is there anything I can do to help in the AFL? And he said, yeah, write your own job and we'll see what we can do, um, which was phenomenal. So I wrote a job called education and inclusion officer um, which was basically trying to educate people about inclusion in umpiring because if you look at the umpires um, you know on the TV on the weekend there's not many people that look different or you know they they all look my dad likes to say they all look like accountants um, so we want to see a bit of diversity in there um, because everyone and anyone can be an umpire so, I started that job, um, the job title became Female Talent Scout, which I started in January this year. Um, And then unfortunately five weeks into the job they fired me um, because I told them, hey, I think there's systematic abuse of umpires or female umpires happening. I don't really think it's being addressed. I think we need to address it and we need to address it now because there are people, women, girls, young kids in danger and it doesn't seem like anyone's doing anything about it. And in their mind um, this was not part of my role even though I was there to promote females to become umpires, to enable more umpires to be female in the highest level. Um, but they said, no Libby, you can't do that. We're going to have to tell you to go away. Um which was a shock um, because I honestly don't understand how me telling them that women are being abused is not part of my job. Um, and, yeah, from there I had no sort of leg to stand on. I couldn't claim anything. I couldn't say, well, whoa, 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 like, hang on. Mm. Is this the right thing? Are you sure you want to do this? They'd, they'd already made up their mind, I think, the moment i kind of brought up the fact that i didn't think enough was happening um yeah. and as someone who's i'm a teacher so i know a lot about how to keep people safe i know a lot about educating people you know i'm a teacher so it's i do english and history but mm. you know i've got a lot of background in umpiring and encouraging people to umpire um to for them to not necessarily see the value that I could bring in that role is really disappointing and really heartbreaking um, Mm. because it's something that I've been doing for 17 years. (laughs) And, Mm. you know, absolutely no warning was given. I was brought into an office with two HR people, one of them being my boss, um, who didn't even hire me. My other boss hired me, so I had two bosses and one of them was nowhere to be seen in my termination. Um, And, yeah, I was basically like, off you go. You're going home today. I was
0: like, mm-hmm. whoa. So fair to say you felt betrayed by the people you thought that had you in a position to do a role and then be let go for, you know, trying to do something to, in a positive way and then showing the door, basically?
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think my only mistake in the whole situation is that I trusted my boss and I trusted the general manager of umpiring who ultimately fired me um you know they they thought they knew me i guess so they thought they had hired someone that was just willing to sit back and let stuff happen um mm-hmm. but i think in my you know moral obligation to make sure it's a safe environment for everyone to be in in football you know i couldn't sit back and just let People that I know have abused women continue in the role, even though they are right now, um, and have people that I've mentored literally having panic attacks because of their umpiring or feeling very uncomfortable at training. Like now, in my mind, there's no one to advocate for these umpires because that used to be my role. I used to be like, yep, all right, let me see what I can do. I'll talk to someone, and then I would talk to someone and it would go nowhere. Um and it seems, unfortunately, at the AFL, it seems like complaints are made or people have issues and then they just don't go anywhere. Nobody does anything about it because if they did, it would be a bad look um, for the game.
0: So what has happened since all this has transpired after the, the day you were let go? How's the last few weeks after those days and even to, to now been going? How's it been for you? Yeah. With-
1: yeah, it's been like personally it's very up and down. Like you I mm. thought I would have this dream job of mine for 2 years at least. It was a 2 year contract and then within mm. just over a month to be fired. Um it's a bit of yeah. a it's a shock definitely. Um mm. I've tried to stay positive and use this as a platform to promote umpiring um and to mm-hmm. let everybody know that it's actually not the environment for umpires is not good at the moment you know we're we're down 6000 umpires across the country and we only have 2000 female umpires um versus almost 90000 female players so there's a lot of people a lot of women in the game but none of them really want to be umpires um so i've tried to use this as a real positive to try and highlight I guess, the inaction by the AFL in really trying to change the culture of umpiring and female and to be a female umpire. Um, And unfortunately, I've also had to kind of go down the legal route as well um, Uh, because I thought it was quite unfair that they fired me straight away, didn't even give me a warning, didn't even give me uh, a chance to like sort of say, well, can we hold off now? Do I have to go home today? Can we talk about it a bit more? Um, yeah. So I had a Fair Work um, mediation last week, which was unsuccessful. So we'll try again to see if a member for the work Safe, uh, Fair Work Commission can sort something out. Um, if not, it will have to go into the courts. Um, so I don't exactly mm. know what that looks like. I've got to find a lawyer to help me in that situation. Um, mm. But, yeah, it's just as it's really sad that
0: it's come to this, I think. Mm. So who, who were the goals ever to be – you said it started when the AFLW started that you are umpiring then. Was there ever talk about when you either got the role you were in or around that stage when you started doing AFLW that you could potentially progress even further to the AFL ranks? Obviously, Elani T, or formerly known as is the only women umpire in the AFL system on the right. Was there ever talk about potentially going to those grades over yeah. time or –
1: Yeah, definitely. So, yeah, so I did AFLW, and the the goal was always to be an AFL umpire at the men's level. Um, But when I made it to AFLW, I realized it's this is my goal has changed. So I realized that the women playing AFLW or the players were having way more fun than I was umpiring. So I'd, you know, it had become, unfortunately, not a very Nice environment for me to be in, I guess, to be an umpire. Um, and mm-hmm. I just wasn't as enjoying it as much. Like I used to train with the AFL umpires, I was definitely on the pathway to become an AFL umpire, but I realized that the journey that I saw going forward was not one that would fulfill me as a person. Um mm-hmm. that wasn't it wasn't as joyful as I wanted it to be. It was becoming too hard. Um, and then when I saw the players, um, A4W players playing, most of which I'd umpired when they were teenagers. I thought I have to play. Like now is my chance to play. I'm 27. Um, I've given umpiring a red hot crack. I'll still stay involved. You know, I'll still umpire every now and then and I'll still mentor up and coming um, female umpires. But, you know, now I want to have, have fun rather than be an elite yeah. athlete. I want to have fun and play football, which I've been doing for the last four years.
0: So I've got some umpiring general questions for you. So what was one of your favourite things about being an umpire?
1: Um, I think being – I always used to say, like, you have the best seat in the house being an umpire. Um, mm. You know, I get to watch a game of football um, and just blow a whistle every now and then and get to see some pretty cool marks, get to be mm-hmm. um, involved in some pretty cool games like AFLW. I went – I travelled around the country doing national championships – Um, I went to South Africa and helped with AFL South Africa over there um, when I was at uni. So I think having to have those experiences and then also the people you meet in those experiences as well. I've met, you know, some amazing people who I'm still friends with that are currently helping me out right now Um, in -hmm. this situation. You know, AFL umpires are helping me out, people that have worked at the AFL who have also unfortunately either been Pushed out or burnt out of their roles, are helping mm-hmm. me to try and finally kind of change the culture. So I think it's, yeah, the experiences and being able to, you know, umpire a game on the MCG was phenomenal. Um, and then having incredible people that you meet along the way. Um, because so the umpire. Going, is sorry, go. Going. Yeah. No,
0: so sorry. just going backtracking or back, going back to what you're saying about the AFL, and everything that's happened in the last few months. Um, what is your, end goal out of this like obviously what happened you did obviously didn't expect to happen and didn't want to happen through all this now that's currently happening what is your ideal end goal that you're trying to get out of this in the end is it to come go back into it is it to make a mess stand and make a stand like what what's your type of goal that you're trying to get out of this
1: like I think first and foremost I just want football to be a safe place for everybody so Mm. to be safe for female umpires for players you know, for everyone. Um, And at the moment, from what I've seen, it doesn't look like the people that are in the AFL understand that it is not a safe place for everybody, that not everybody feels included and not everybody is having a good time. Um, And then when people do say, hey, this has happened to me or I've been abused or, you know, I've been sexually assaulted by, you know, my coach, the AFL, What I've seen has not taken it further, has not actually owned that and said, oh, my gosh, this is awful, let's help you and deal with that. So at the moment there's no regulatory body that oversees the AFL, so it means that they can get away with everything. So there's no government agency that looks into the AFL and goes, oh, you've got, you know, something happening here and something happening here. Um, So the end goal is to have some sort of regulatory body that oversees the afl so that when people do come forward with allegations of abuse allegations of discrimination allegations of racism it's not the afl that's investigating themselves there's a um, independent body that holds them accountable because at the moment they're running their own show and Mm. it's you see on the news if you just look up afl on the news you know, it's in turmoil um, and it's just all these things that have been buried um, are coming out to light um, and I think I just also want the AFL, whether it's Gil McLaughlin or whether it's Andrew Dillon, to apologise for not listening to us because nowhere in this time have I been listened to of my concerns. Um, I've wanted to meet with Gil McLaughlin and Andrew Dillon. I've emailed a few times and said, I really want to meet with you to discuss what people have been telling me in the last three months. Um, But Mm. they, for whatever reason, don't want to meet with me. I don't think I'm that scary. Um, (laughs) And yeah, just want to have a real honest conversation and say, Mm. like, I don't think you understand the severity Mm. of what's happening or how bad it is. Um, like, I just want to tell you and I want to help. But unfortunately, when I said that three months ago, they fired me.
0: So did they, so in those messages, so you said you tried to email them or however you communicated to them. Did they ever even respond back to you in those times between um, sending out an email or message and then being let go in between all that? Did they ever get back to you at all for those type of things?
1: I've So I've sent probably four or five emails um, and mm-hmm. I've, been responded to twice um okay. first was when i initially got fired and andrew Dillon replied to me um saying oh you know we're doing all these amazing things we've got five million dollars funding we've got lisa Laurie in this position we've got debbie lee doing this um and my response was well lisa was the one that fired me and i've emailed debbie to tell her my concerns and she's not replied so mm-hmm. In my opinion, the AFL think that throwing money at things will help rather than actually going to the root cause of things um, and educating people on the ground to say, no, women can be umpires too. Um, Mm. And I also emailed Andrew Dillon last week and I have a reply from him yesterday that I need to read, but it's very similar, Mm. you know. Thank you for telling us these allegations go through our integrity unit, um, and here's all the amazing things we're doing. Um, Now, some of the things are great, but when I have female umpires who are umpiring right now telling me that they have to remind people not to get changed in front of them in the change rooms literally last week and have to remind them that you need to be considerate of females last week, what they're doing is not working at the moment.
0: Mm. So what would you that they need to do um, to improve?
1: I think, like, you need a very rigorous education program to pretty much have someone, a couple of people go around to every single community league in the nation and have a program that's about inclusion and education Um, because there are still, unfortunately, people within these community leagues and within state league and at the AFL who do not believe women can umpire. So the fact that we only have one female field umpire at the current Mm. level, you know, at the top, and three goal umpires, like it's 2.6% of the elite level umpiring population are female. So 97.4% are male but women make up 50% of the population. Like it's, I was able to umpire AFLW, you know, I may have made it to AFL if the environment was better, um, but women are not getting the chance to even succeed at the highest level um, because of inherent belief that it's just not possible.
0: Uh, Nick, going back to what we were talking about before with the umpiring arm, um- how do you feel the standard of umpiring is right now? Because obviously it gets talked a lot about with the rule changes every year. How do you feel the standard of umpiring in general has been this year? Do you feel um, it's dropped?
1: I do. I, I do feel it's dropped. Like I've watched the football um, mm. and I think, you know, there's a blatant free kick and there's no whistle gets blown. Mm. Like on the weekend, there was a high tackle um, and nobody blew the whistle. Um mm. So I think the umpires are very, very confused at who's in charge um, because it's, you know, this brand-new four-umpire system where you're swapping over every 20 metres or every 30 metres.
0: So do you feel the fourth umpire has made it even worse?
1: Yeah. I think, um, and I said this to the head of umpiring at the AFL when I worked there, I said, Mm -hmm. I think they're going to get bored. Like, I think four umpires is too many because you literally Mm – The fourth umpire sometimes is just sitting in the 50, twiddling their thumbs, and then the ball suddenly comes and you've got to be alert, um, Mm. and you're going to miss things if you're not constantly umpiring. Um, So I think it's confused a lot of people and it's confused the umpires themselves Mm. um, because nobody knows who's in charge. It's almost Mm. like too many cooks in the kitchen.
0: Yeah. So hypothetically, there would be some decisions where an umpire in the 50 hypothetically says hasn't paid a high tackle or anything then an umpire 70 meters away pays it now sometimes you could have a better angle um that is that just like an example that you're talking about that they don't know what they're doing when one person in the range hasn't called it and then someone 70 meters away has or vice versa
1: yeah so it's almost like nobody knows who's got the play so it's like Mm -hmm. who's in charge here who's going to blow the whistle for this free kick um, and then nobody does because they don't want to make a mistake and get a cross on their feedback form. But in not mm. blowing the whistle, like, you've missed a free kick. So it's that communication um, of knowing who's in charge um, mm. or who's got the play, and I think it's just utter confusion, it looks like, um, yeah. just from what I've seen. Like, well, I know so many of those umpires, and they are phenomenal umpires, but if mm. you're confused at who's in control, then all that ability can go out the window because you're like, oh, do I blow my whistle or does somebody else? And then the crowd gets confused and frustrated and the players don't know what to do. And then it can lead to injury and it can lead to people getting hurt. Mm.
0: Now, there's one example that I want to get your opinion on. There was – I don't know if you've seen it. was in in Adelaide. It was the Crows and the Pies was in the last quarter when Nathan Murphy – was going for a mark, and Darcy Fogarty for the Crows went back in, at the back of the flight and smashed him in the head with the ball. No free was paid. He had blood dripping down his nose, and then seconds later, I think, I don't know how the play, end ended up getting onto the wing. Jordan Dugowie was about to pick up the ball, and then you had uh, the doctor with Murphy, you know, going off the blood rule. One, they didn't call the blood rule. Two, they didn't pay the free, and three, then Jordy was picking up the ball, and he would have picked it up about 10 metres near the boundary on his own, near where the doctor, you know, and the player that was ended up being concussed in the end from that incident and then they didn't pay a free and then Geordie kicked the ball away from the doctor to, you know, obviously they didn't get run into. And then so the ball went out of bounds and they paid deliberate. Did you see that um, no. in that particular play? No. No, I didn't
1: see okay. it. But, um, yeah, I think uh, a few Did It, show, it a few gets the confusion like part that. of things, yeah. you know, that we've yeah, talked about before. And the, it's forgetting – it seems like umpires are forgetting the process. You know, if there's, you know, a doctor needs to come on the ground and it's near the play, just stop the play. Like Mm, That's what they didn't in
0: that play. They just let it keep going. He had blood, nothing.
1: Yeah, yeah. And if there's blood streaming down the face, probably Mm. a free kick. Um, So, again, I think it's the confusion and lack of, um, yeah, just consistency between all of the umpires that's making it really hard for them. Um, and they're trying their best, but the rules keep changing. You know, concussion, you know, if it's I saw the Melbourne player almost got two weeks for trying to spoil the ball and he accidentally annoying, yeah. in yeah. the head. It's That's like, that's football if you go like that. Mm. If you get the head, it's not on purpose, but mm. like it's almost we're swinging so far that way that we've forgotten, yeah. oh, well, you know, these players since they were five or six have been taught to spoil like that. And you know he yeah. got part of the ball, but also got part of the head. And if you're going to get two weeks for accidentally spoiling someone and touching their head on the mm. way through, it's it's almost like an overreaction mm. um, that people won't want to play anymore because they don't know what the rules are.
0: Yeah. With that one, I don't know if you've seen the still shot. I might even have a photo of it on here if I slip mm. it on you have a Uh Let me see this. The here it is. So there it is. There for the people that. Don't know what we're talking about, yeah. but they should. So yeah. it's, not, it's not even his fist yeah. that um, hit Charlie Ballard. And Charlie Ballard did get a knock to the back of the neck in a general play before this. I think it was a couple of quarters earlier. So it kind yeah. of instigated probably the, where he ended up had, having to get stretched off because he had a couple of hits in that area. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. then yeah, had to give him two weeks. And then they appealed it at the tribunal. And then it stays at that. Then they had to go to the appeals board. Do you feel this should be changed in that area as well?
1: Yeah, I think... um. Yeah, I don't know exactly who runs the tribunal. Um,
0: Michael Christian's the MRO guy.
1: Yeah, and I think, like, it's so hard because, you know, last year that wouldn't have been two weeks. Like, that would have Mm. just been play on. Like, five years ago, like, you wouldn't even have a conversation about it. Um, No. But the changing nature of the game and the rules literally being changed every season, like... I don't know the last time there wasn't a rule change in the new season, whereas you look Mm. at other sports like soccer, I don't know if there's been a rule change in the last 100 years besides having a camera near the goal line or tennis, you know, has there been a rule change there? So the need to change the rules shows me that, well, what's going on? Like why do we need to change the rules? Do we just need to change how we teach people how to play football so that you're not in, you know, risk of getting concussion every week. Like, I play football. I've never yeah. been concussed. I've broken a finger. I don't even wear a mouth guard because okay. I know that I know how to play properly because I've watched the game so so much because yeah. I've been an umpire and then I watch it on TV and I know exactly how to use my body to protect myself, protect my head. Um, I think we're forgetting how to coach players so they protect themselves and protect other people.
0: Mm. I've just got a few other picture examples of n- non free kicks, controversial calls. Yeah, mm. this was in the same Adelaide Collingwood game. So, in the same last quarter, Ash Johnson, the Collingwood player, was against his, got his or the Adelaide player, Jordan Butts, got his arm um, clearly around Ash Johnson's shoulder right in front of the gold square. That was just yep. you know, one example that was not even given. It just shows that, oh no. He, Unbelievable calls because there's been some pretty poor calls in general this year as well. But then again, sometimes you said the rules could be affected. Now, there's another one here I want to show you too. It was early in the year. Uh, it's more generally about certain players getting what, what some people like to call protected species. Um, this is an example of Patty Dangerfield. Obviously, you're a Geelong fan, which we'll get to. Um, yeah, he got caught Reuben Ruben Jimmy accidentally in the face, but more to the point of not so much saying he should deserve weeks for that or anything. S- Severe, mm-hmm. but it wasn't even looked at the MRO. Like it wasn't looked at at all. And this, for example, Toby Green. For example, if he did that, even though he's had a history of it, you know, he'd probably get crucified. That was not even covered covered on any show, any AFL show, mm-hmm. at all. It was briefly mentioned right. for a thirty seconds on one of the Fox Footy shows, and uh, but nothing was said. There. They didn't say he should be suspended or that's a terrible look, nothing like that. But if someone like Toby Green had done that, yeah. as shown in the past, he gets crucified. Mm-hmm. I just the inconsistencies, what, what do you feel about certain players that don't get talked about? For instance, they do – so similar incidents to other people. Some get crucified, but the same thing. And if you're a favourite player like Danger, I know you're a Shulong fan, but, you know, top names and yeah. nothing really gets talked about. Or there's some form of an excuse. played, it mm-hmm. and, oh, they didn't mean it. But if Toby did that, it's, no, he didn't mean it. And, you know, the narrative is different.
1: Yes, yeah. And I think it's such a good point to bring up for, like, yeah. every single player. You know, we have Paddy Dangerfield, highly respected. Toby Green, unfortunately, I'm not a big fan of his because mm. he shoved Matt Stevick last season and got weeks for it. Um, mm. I think, unfortunately, in life and in football, our past behaviour impacts our present behaviour. So, unfortunately for Toby, in the past, he's not necessarily been a very nice player to other players but also to umpires and it can impact how you view that person. Now, it's not on purpose at all. Mm. Like the stay very um, unbiased and very, you know, aware of staying very neutral. But if you've got a player like Toby Green or someone constantly yapping at you and having a go at you all the time or putting feet up to people or literally shoving you in a game, it doesn't bode well Um just in terms of the umpire wanting to be helpful. Like we, I always mm-hmm. tell everyone in my team, just be nice to the umpires. Like they've blown the whistle, it's not going to change. Um I think, yeah, for Paddy Dangerfield, you know, you need to look at that. You need to look at it because it's dangerous. Now the intent mm-hmm. is obviously not to hurt that player.
0: And I Urban think with Toby, Green,
1: with Toby Green, he sort of was face on and put his... Thing out, which he could have elected not to, um, you know, with Paddy looked like he was going for the mark and his foot just happened to come up, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, yeah. But it's, you know, it is intent, you know, what's the intent behind it? Do you have to do it or can you not? Um, can you change how you do it? You know, I know um, Toby Green I don't think has ever done it again, so it worked. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, yeah, I think it comes down to why do you want to play football? Is it, you know, to get the best out of yourself? Is it to hurt other people? Is it to complain to the umpire? Um, you know, are you in it for a team? You know, Geelong is a great example. You know, we've won, we've had a lot of success um, because we work as a team um, and had great leaders and showing, you know, what it's like to be a leader on and off the field. Um, you know, then you see other teams and you can just tell that everyone's in it for themselves. Um mm. And are there just to make a name for themselves, um, which that's not how, you know, I play football. That's not how any of the women's games I've umpired have played football or anyone that we, I play on the weekend. Um, yeah, I think it's a cultural yeah. thing um, that some people are just out there because they're angry and they want to hurt people, um, mm. you know, and as an umpire that was a really hard, that was, those games were hard to umpire because... You know, it felt like I was just babysitting fully grown men not to punch each other. Um, But then when I umpired women's, it was like, oh, my Mm. God, they're just here to play football. Um, So, yeah, looking at the reasons why people want to play and then why they do, Mm. you know, those type of things on the football field, you know, why Buddy Franklin puts up his elbow and gets two or three weeks or maybe a week um, versus, hey, just you're here to play football. You're here to go for the ball. We're not here to hurt people. Mm.
0: Now, as a someone that's been involved in umpiring, what is dissent to you?
1: That's well, dissent is anything that's kind of demonstrative towards the umpire or threatening mm. behaviour. Um, so,
0: this- oh, keep going.
1: So, it's changed a lot since my time, um, yep. and. You know, rightfully so, I think. Like players don't need to have a go at the umpire. Like I said before, the whistle's blown, they're not gonna change their mind. Like mm. you're not gonna be able to talk them around to go, oh no, actually it's your free kick, not theirs. Mm. Um like the umpire has a job to do. The job is to pay the free kicks, to, to adjudicate the rules and to keep you safe. Part mm. of that job is not to crowd control and not to behave manage your behavior as a player um you know as a teacher that's what i do in the classroom i manage behavior but on the footy field you know we have a whistle to manage behavior um we're not there to get abused verbally or to be shouted at and go what the hell what's that Mm -hmm. like you did a bad thing or the umpire maybe got it wrong but you know you missed the free kick or you missed the um The goal you kicked a point or you kicked it out of bounds on the full you made a mistake so Mm. umpires are allowed to make a mistake they don't make many but this season it seems like they unfortunately do because a bit of confusion um Mm. and yeah just yeah not knowing who's in charge but I think first and foremost like you don't need to uh, abuse an umpire or show dissent because they're just doing their job you're just doing your job of getting paid a lot to play football um, and you are a role model first and foremost. You need to show those five or six-year-olds that are watching you on a Friday night or even a Thursday night um, to show this is how we play football. We don't yell and scream. We don't, you know, on the weekend a Collingwood player dacked. Um,
0: Aaron Cameron, yeah.
1: Yeah, dacked him. I'm dealing with that with my year nine students dacking each other. I don't expect mm. to see it. On national TV, by twenty-something-year-old grown men being dacked mm. on the TV. It's like, are we that immature as footballers that we feel like we have to dack somebody? Like, it's just and, not. Mm. It's not a good look. Like, it's it's disrespectful. Um, you know, and if they did that at school, you know, they'd get suspended.
0: Mm. In terms of scene I got a few examples I want to ask you about. Mm. pointing at the screen and literally scratching your head like this and shaking your head, would you class that as dissent? Because that probably sounds like a little bit of an overreaction at least. Because there's been some where they've done that and they've paid it.
1: Yeah. Like, my opinion, no. I think it's you're Mm. allowed to go, but look there. Like, that's a bit weird. Um, Mm. Because you're not, like, dissent in my mind is, you know, you're personally attacking the umpire. Mm. like that you're making the umpire feel uncomfortable or unsafe by, you know, pointing is a good one. You know, if anyone ever pointed at us, um, it would be 50 metres straight away. If anyone ever swore at us, 50 metres straight away. Um, But I think, again, it's we're leaning so far the other way that Mm. people just get frustrated and they just yell at the umpire anyway rather than understanding, Mm. hey, we understand emotion and people get you know, emotional in playing, but don't, don't direct it towards the umpire, like direct it towards yourself because you got a free kick against you mm-hmm. and then do better in the next play.
0: So there's one example recently that um, there was a game recently. I can't remember who the teams were, but one of the captains now, they generally say the captains are the ones that, you know, can chat to the umpire and the other guys just leave it be or girls. Um, but, there was a captain, I can't remember what team it was, they walked up to Razor Ray and they went up to him and said something and he did like a talk-to-the-hand type gesture. Do you feel that in that Ray example, I'm sure there's other examples, that's one I could just think of Tommy head, yeah. that the reason that someone like Ray would not cop abuse but, you know, get asked about and him doing a kind of a gesture that you would say is dissent in the other way is a bit disrespectful from them to, when it's just the captain asking a question or whatever they're asking. Yeah.
1: Mm, Yeah, no, like I'm not sure if I haven't seen the example, but I think, yeah, like we are told the captain can come and talk to you or you as the captain go and talk to the umpire. I think if you have a concern or you're like, hey, can you watch the holds off the ball because they keep happening, Mm. you have to take that on. You can't just ignore the concern of the captain and the other players because, like, if you do that, they'll just get further frustrated and it will build you know, tension and frustration throughout the match that can then lead to spot fires and malaise mm-hmm. further on. So you do need to take the time to respect the players that you are umpiring um, because mm-hmm. if you show respect to them, the hope is that they show respect to you. And I think because umpires aren't necessarily humanised, then we don't really see them as humans to respect. Um, you know, we don't really celebrate or see... You know, recently Simon Meredith did 450 games. Now, that was nowhere really on the TV when I saw it. You know, it was on Mm. the social media for umpiring um, pages, but nowhere really on the AFL pages, nowhere on AFLW. So, like, how can we show respect and gratitude when we don't Mm. even know who the people are that are umpiring us and don't even know that this guy's done 450 games, multiple grand finals... Like, how can we celebrate that and be, I guess, respectful and proud and, you know, be in awe of that when it's not even publicised?
0: I think one thing, I'm not sure if you've seen this, was I think it was the Simon Meredith one. There could have been one of the other Brett Rose, but it might have been as well, one of the senior umpires. I don't know if this is a Channel 7 thing or if this is a BT Brian Taylor thing, but he did recently go into the umpires' room, which he's done a few times over the last mm-hmm. year and a bit. He actually went into the rooms and spoke to the umpires one of the recent night games and he actually spoke to I think it was Brett Roseby I think it was who had a milestone coming up or just had a milestone and he spoke to him but as you said at least there's something there but the commentary on those BT's been one to go into the umpires rooms a few times and even just Mm -hmm. mention on the coverage but outside of that yeah I don't really hear anything about Mm -hmm. it anywhere else
1: yeah like it was um community umpiring round last week in the AFL Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah.
1: You ask someone on the street who watches footy, did you know it was community umpiring round? They go, nah, no idea because it's, like, Mm. it's nowhere. It's only on in the silo of umpiring channels. It's, like, that's great. Like, we as umpires know that it's umpire community, community umpiring round, but, like, you, Joe Blow down the street, you know, that watches every weekend, fanatic Collingwood supporter, he doesn't know that it's community umpiring round. Because it's it's almost like they're so scared to advertise it in case people abuse umpires and go oh, so they just don't mm. do it for fear of repercussions and different comments
0: and that yeah
1: yeah but I think
0: people, there was a tweet as well I think the AFL Twitter page I think it was something to do with umpiring in the last two weeks It might have been mm. what you the example you're talking about but yeah even then it's not even it is it might be a red tweet here and there yeah. or
1: Whereas, mini post somewhere. Yeah, and it's with all sports. Like, it's with all sports. But, you know, we literally can't have a game without the umpires. And like yeah. I said before, around the country, we're 6,000 umpires short. Women don't want to be umpires. They'd rather play. It's the statistics show that. Um, and then you have, you know, issues with umpiring if it's not that consistent and people are yelling at the crowd, you know, in... You know, at a game they're just hurling abuse and then, you know, the person next to you is 14-year-old umpire and they go, oh, maybe I don't want to do this. Um, mm. So the culture around footy and umpiring, um, you know, is a negative one because we've unintentionally made it okay to literally abuse umpires mm. on the weekend and then you bring that into local league, you know. Mm. But it's okay to yell abuse and hurl abuse at umpires and then if you're a female umpire then god knows what is going to be said to you um and then if your coaches also don't think that you're a very good umpire if you're a female then they themselves will unintentionally abuse you because they're like well you don't really belong here so let's make it difficult for you um so like my what i was trying to do at the afl was really promote umpiring at a national level promote it so that Women want to join, but everybody wants to join. And I did, um, I volunteer at um, an organisation called Lord Summer's Camp and I've done two umpire workshops in the last three months at these camps, just volunteer off my own bat because umpiring for me made me confident, gave me skills um, and I was able to, yeah, develop into this person. Um, So I've been able to recruit, you know, four or five umpires from those sessions alone not even employed by the afl and i'm doing it for free because one i love footy two we need umpires three it really helps you to be a good human being now my job was to get more females in the role um or in you know footy um when i realized that it's not very safe for women to be umpiring it became incredibly difficult to try and fulfil that. When I told my bosses that it's not safe, they didn't want to hear it and they fired me. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's really, you know, as umpires you're going into the lion's den kind of thing and if we're not removing the lions from the den, which is not happening because there's people that are still coaching, that are still out there, that are notoriously very bad um, and everybody knows who they are then why would anyone want to do that? Mm.
0: Going back to some of the rules we're talking about, the, the descent rule. Um, the stand rule, how do you feel on that rule? Do you, do yeah, you like I it? Should it be there? Or... Okay. I
1: don't mind. Like, I think it's a bit of overkill again. Like, mm. we, so many rules are coming in that, yeah, it's almost hard to play just how you want to play. Like, we don't have it when the league I um, that I play in Um so, you know, and we still get goals. We still win. Like, I think you got to think about why you've got that rule in. You know, why does the player need to stand completely still? Why can't they move around a little bit? Um, it just seems like, again, we're going so far one way that we've forgotten the rationale behind what the rules are.
0: Mm. Uh, now, And on a positive note, what rules would you put in place if you were the main person making the rules? We mentioned the rules about too many being changed. What rules would you flat out say, this is what we're going to have? And if you were the person in charge and made the final call, what would you put in charge?
1: I think, like, rather than putting in rules, I'd just go back to what the simple rules are. Like, you don't need many rules in football to make it work. And I think there are far too many rules that are just nonsensical. Um, So
0: what rules would you take out then?
1: It's of that are there already. I think the stand rule. I think, like, deliberate, you know, that's sometimes it's paid, sometimes it's not paid, and it's Mm. within the game. You're like, what? That's the same game, and that Mm. one was paid, but that wasn't. um, I think we've forgotten that we you know the the laws and the rules are put in place you know through the spirit of the game and so we've forgotten the spirit of the game which is to let them play football and when there's rules that are inhibiting people to play football properly um you know when you have to stand there or you you know need to nominate your ruck like we know it's going to be pretty much the same ruckman for the whole game so every time nominate put your hand up we know it's mm. you. Like, we know it's Tom yeah. Hopkins in the 50. You know, it's always going to be him. You know, then we know it's Radical Ear in the deep 50. Like, we know it's going to be them. Um, it's almost like the rules are getting a bit too pedantic um, because, yeah, people, the you know, Fox 40 complains that it's too low scoring or there's too many stoppages. So then they bring in a rule, mm. the 666, so you can't, you know, flood the back line. Um, and they're
0: starting to exploit or try and exploit the best way they can by putting a player on the edge of the fifty in the mid on the wing. So, for example, the wingman might be really at half forward or half back, just yeah. in the edge of the center.
1: Yeah. So I think go back to basics is my first and foremost advice. You know. Yeah. I was watching highlights from the nineteen eighties footy today, um, yeah. and they're just running free, having the best time. You know, putting their bodies on the line. Um, probably a bit stupid these days, but um, you know, we play football to have fun and to run and to kick goals, you know. It's for for Carlton to have ten points up into half time last week. Mm. Like people were up in arms about AFLW scores, you know, ten points to half time. And then you see it in the men's game, and I don't hear much complaining. Like, yes, they were able to get goals after, but Like there's a reason it's only 10 points. You know, people are very good at defending, but what's stopping them from scoring? We don't need to change the rules. You just need Mm. to instill confidence in the players to kick goals. Um, Mm. But if there's so many rules happening, then players don't know which way's up. And then the umpires don't know which way's up. And then everyone gets confused and frustrated and then nobody really wants to be involved much. Mm.
0: Now, you just quickly, because you mentioned the with the scoring, um, do you feel that they should be playing on the grounds that the type of, the size of grounds I'm all referring to, that they're playing on now? Or do you feel they should be playing on not not small, small grounds, but smaller grounds to help the scoring be increased? Or do you feel that it will, over time, on these level size grounds, like, say, the um, HBAs, those type of grounds that they may play on, um, will the score, do they need to go... To smaller size grounds to boost the scoring up? Or do you think it'll eventually happen on the grounds they're playing on now or of the bigger no, grounds they're playing?
1: No, I think, like, you need to treat men and women's football the same because, mm. you know, at the moment in AFLW, they've got 16 a side. So they've got two less players yeah. on the field, um, one yeah. per team. and That's going to have an impact. Like, I don't know why there's 16 aside. I don't know why there's no wingers. Um Mm, know, I, think they were, ultra, yeah. I think they were worried about congestion, but like women are smart, mm. you know, we know how to play, we know how to get goals. Like my team, not last week, the week before, it was pouring with rain on a Saturday morning and we mm-hmm. scored 81 points. That's good. Yeah. That really good. And we, mm. the opposition scored, scored 18 points because we were just running it, having fun, kicking it along the ground sometimes, <laughs> um, picking it up. And we ended up scoring, you know, 10 goals, 11 goals. Um, you know, then the W that night, they scored four points to six points. Now they yep. were at Port Melbourne and I've umpired at Port Melbourne and it is literally like a mud heap. It's a pigsty.
0: That middle part of the ground, I think, is yes. it? Yeah.
1: Yeah. Running through that is like running through wet concrete. So we need to not just judge completely that, oh, look at that score line. They can't score goals, you know. Look at the conditions of the ground. Port Melbourne is notoriously not that great. Um, but also just have fun, like just kick the ball, see what happens. Like the structures sometimes inhibit players from kicking goals, and you're just mm. always, you know, you have to be here, you have to be here. Um, and you you're almost scared to kick the goal, and you're like scared to. Be selfish and take it, you know. Sometimes you just gotta go for it. Um, so yeah, I think for women's football, they've been given the short straw since 2017. They've been, you know, not being able to have all the teams included, like the talent is there, but it's going to be different talent because they've only really been allowed to play you know, a lot since 2017. Men and the uh, men's game has been literally since 1850. So, of course, it's going to be different, but you watch a women's game, if you watch AFLW, it's way smarter than AFL men's because we know where to go to not ruin ourselves after four or five years of playing football because we have I women.
0: I'm re- okay, go on.
1: So we have women who have had children and come back and play AFL football.
0: Yeah. Um, Yeah. Just some quick fire fire questions. I know you're a Geelong fan, so I'm going to test your Geelong knowledge. Let's see how many you can get. Oh, dear. Um, (laughs) The most recent premiership, before the most recent premiership, when was the last previous premiership before 2022? Uh,
1: 2011? Correct. 2011.
0: 2011, yep. Jeremy Cameron, what jumper number does he wear?
1: Number five, same as me.
0: Very good. Jumper number one in the men's? Stanley. Very good. And Brad Close, what number?
1: 45.
0: Very good. Good work. Libby, thanks for coming.
1: Thanks for coming on. I really
0: appreciate it. Have a good one. And uh, thanks for coming on. No worries.